the Bible Study Podcast, episode 384. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Psalms with Psalm 44. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. You did not miss an episode. We skipped over Psalm 43. If you're interested, you can go back and read that, but it's a very familiar theme. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my case against an unfaithful nation. It's only about five verses long, so I'll let you go back and read that one on your own. But Psalm 44 caught my eye, and it starts like this. We have heard it with our ears, O God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their days, in days long ago. With your hand you drove out the nations and planted our ancestors. You crushed the peoples and made our ancestors flourish. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. This particular psalm, and this is a psalm, again, by the sons of Korah, starts with praise. And when I say praise, it's talking about the things that God has done. It's looking back at what God has done in the life of his people, his people Israel, his people Judah at this time. And one of the reasons that's good for us to do is that is one of the ways that we build faith is we look back and see how God has been faithful and see the situations that we got through and see the situations where God was acting. And I think of that today, and one of the reasons this psalm caught my eye and not the other one, Psalm 43, is that today is my birthday. And so it's one of those days we tend to be looking back anyway and looking forward and making plans. And it's a good opportunity for us on days like this, or New Year's that's coming up, or holidays, or anniversaries, to look back and to say, where has God been acting in my life? And what are the things that I could bring up, as the psalmist does here, and praise God for how he acted in that situation? And it's always good to remind us of those things. This is the same reason why you may remember that when the children of Israel marched through the River Jordan on the way in to conquer the Promised Land, so this is in Joshua, the God who parted the Red Sea again does a miracle for the next generation, the generation that wasn't there, and parts the River Jordan. And as they're walking through, God says, pick up 12 river stones, one for each tribe, and put them in the Ark of the Covenant. Keep those. The Ark of the Covenant gets a few different souvenirs along the way. And the idea is not to collect things that will become sacred objects or things like that. In fact, they have problems with that later on where they collect the bronze serpent that Moses erects that will save them when they look to it because they have been unfaithful to God and so he has sent serpents among them. And so instead, it's supposed to be just a reminder of what God has done in the past. So the psalmist looks back and says, I know that this whole land that we have, we have because of your strong right hand. I know that you drove out the nations ahead of us. I know that you gave us this land. If you don't know what the psalmist is talking about, go back to the book of Joshua, for instance, and study the fall of Jericho. Jericho that's surrounded by strong walls and God tears down the walls. It's not that the people built siege engines. It's not that their armies are so strong, but because God is fighting for them. And it's good for us to remember what God has done for us. 
It goes on, You are my king and my God, who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you we push back our enemies. Through your name we trample our foes. I put no trust in my bow. My sword does not bring me victory. But you give me victory over our enemies. You put our adversaries to shame. In God we make our boast all day long. And we praise your name forever. As I look at those verses and we're talking about pushing back our enemies, I think of the church and I think of our enemy, and we read in the New Testament that we struggle not against flesh and blood. Our enemies certainly are not the church down the road. Those are our allies. They're certainly not even the false religions, but instead the demonic forces behind so many things. When Peter makes his declaration that Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus turns to him and says, you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church and The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Gates are a defensive feature. The church is supposed to be on the offensive. The church is called to go into dark places and to pull people out of dire situations, both spiritually and I believe also as well as physically, out of poverty, out of despair, out of hardship. And these things bring praise to God continues, but now you have rejected and humbled us, and you no longer go out with our armies. You made us retreat before the enemy, and our adversaries have plundered us. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for a pittance and gained nothing from their sale. You have made us a reproach to our neighbors, the scorn and derision of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations. The people shake their heads at us. I live in disgrace all day long, and my face is covered with shame at the taunts of those who reproach and revile me because of the enemy who is bent on revenge. All this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path. But you crushed us and made us a haunt for jackals. You covered us over with deep darkness. Now, I have to wonder at this. I certainly, as I read those first two paragraphs about how they become a reproach, how God is no longer going before them, there are many different places where we can find that in the Old Testament. We can find that as a continuous cycle through Judges, where the people will remember God, there'll be victory, and then they will forget God and go off and serve other gods, and someone will come in and invade them. We see that of the kings. We see that of Saul when he is remembering God. He is victorious. And then when his heart turns away from God, he starts losing battles. But I don't know what time period the sons of Korah are talking about where God has given them no victory and they're saying, we haven't forgotten you. I honestly can't remember of a time in the Old Testament that that happened. Either I'm forgetting things and not putting this in the right time period, or maybe they're not realizing. Possibly they're not realizing that their hearts have turned from God, that other things have become more important, that they have started serving other gods, even if those gods are less obvious. It was easy to tell when you start serving other gods, when you start putting up Asherah poles, or when you start worshiping Baals and putting little idols in your house, it's easy for someone to look at you and say, look, you're serving other gods. It's harder when that god becomes money, or when that god becomes power, or when that god becomes something that is less obvious. And I have to wonder, did they stray from the path and they just hadn't even realized it? Remember when Josiah the Reformer, when they're cleaning out the temple, 
and they find the book of the law and they start reading the book of the law and Josiah hears the book of the law and he tears his garment because he can't believe that they have forgotten all of this. God must be terribly mad at them because they have been unfaithful to him. And they didn't even realize it. They had completely forgotten what it was that God wanted. And I don't think that happens all at once. I think that happens in steps. I think that happens in small choices one at a time. I think the devil seduces our eyes and then our thoughts and then maybe our web browsers and then our feet. You don't get unfaithful all at once, but slowly you get seduced away. And so I have to wonder here if they had forgotten God and they didn't remember. But the psalmist goes on, if we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God have discovered it? since he knows the secret of the heart. Yet for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? Rouse yourself, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us, rescue us, because of your unfailing love. Or maybe the problem is mine. Maybe the problem is I'm being like the friends of Job, who look at Job and say, look at all the terrible things happening to you. Clearly you did something wrong. If you lose all of your children and all of your wealth and all of your health at the same time, clearly the friends of Job say, you must have done something wrong. And maybe that's the kind of time that the psalmist finds himself in. A time of testing, a time when we live in a broken and fallen world and bad things do happen to good people. And sometimes it's just not their fault. And it feels like, as the psalmist says, that God is asleep. God is not asleep. But there are times that we can feel far away from him. There are times that we feel close and there are times that we don't. And one of the ways that we address that is we do what the psalmist started with. As we look back at all those times that God has been faithful, we praise him for those and we cry out to God as the psalmist does here. I pray this week if you find yourself in a dry time that you will remember what God has done and that God will remember you and show his face to you. With that, we'll end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If, if you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hello, my name's Rachel Carmen, and I want to invite you to come over and listen to my podcast. It's called Real Refreshment. For years and years as a young mother, I chased after the wind, thinking that the world could offer me the refreshment I longed for. But it was only when I discovered it in the person of Jesus Christ that I really found refreshment. Come on over and join me as we dig into Bible study. I'll see you there.